You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, the brand new podcasting app, Himalaya. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Thursday day after I was supposed to do a podcast, but couldn't because my flight got stuck in Dallas and I didn't get back in until one or two in the morning, so sorry for missing yesterday, but we're back and there's some big news, both good and bad for your New Orleans Pelicans. They've got Aaron Nelson coming in to revamp the medical staff. That is the good news. The bad news is Trent Redden, who many assumed would be the new GM of the Pelicans running the day-to-day operations of the team, turned down that position. We'll look at both of these guys, uh, one coming in, one not coming in. Then, of course, we're going to touch on our season in review series, taking a look at Julius Randle and the year he had in 2018-2019. So let's dive into it in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So the big news of, well, yesterday is Mark Stein of the New York Times, formerly of ESPN, reporting that the Pelicans have lured away Aaron Nelson, the head athletic trainer for the Phoenix Suns, to come into New Orleans and revamp the entirety of that side of things. There will be more hires with this. And this is a huge, huge signing for the New Orleans Pelicans. This, more than anything else, Pelicans fans, is what should get you excited. Last season and over the past three seasons, the Pelicans have missed more games due to injury than all but one team in the NBA, with a couple of years, too, of leading that statistic. This, in theory should cut that down and keep guys healthy, keep them out on the court a little bit more. J.A. Adonde, uh, formerly of ESPN, or maybe still with ESPN, I'm not entirely sure, made a joke saying that if you're Anthony Davis, this is the sole reason that you would need to re-sign with the Pelicans. They are known as some of the best in the business and have that vaunted medical staff for years and years and years able to extend players' careers. They're going to be here in New Orleans. This was not cheap to do. Even though it sounds like the Suns wanted to revamp everything themselves, meaning these guys were going to be needing a job, but this wasn't going to come cheap whatsoever. And this, more than anything else, is kind of the sign that the Pelicans are taking this very seriously. No more sharing a training staff potentially with the um, New Orleans Saints. No more overlap in really any capacity. And that, I think, is going to be a big thing. We're going to wait to see what team Dr. Misty Surrey is going to be doing, if he's going to stay or if he's going to be gone. We know he was fired by the Saints, stayed with the Pelicans, wasn't the best look uh, for anybody involved with that. So we'll see where they go from here with that. But this is kind of a sign that they are taking things seriously. David Griffin came in, did not like what he saw with the medical staff, wanted to make changes, and the Pelicans have said yes to those changes. So that is the big news here. Again, this, if it adds a couple of healthy games per player per season, which might be a lot to 
ask for, but even one or two here and there can lead to a significant number of wins for the Pelicans. This is almost better than adding a player potentially to this roster. So them getting Aaron Nelson in the lead trainer and now what is going to kind of lead to a revamped medical operation here is only a good thing for the Pelicans. They are paying for this. They are taking things seriously. A great day here in New Orleans if you're a Pelicans fan. So as we're going to talk about in the next segment, hiring can be very challenging. You know, it's tough whether you're looking to fill out an NBA front office or maybe you're the NFL looking to hire a couple new refs who actually call pass interference. It's hard to find qualified candidates. It takes a long time. There's often too many applicants that really don't fit what you're looking for, but ZipRecruiter makes it easy and you've got to go to ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. They're doing the headhunting for you. Now you don't need to hire an expensive, high-cost, outsourced consulting company to look for the right candidate, you can use ZipRecruiter to do it for you. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80%, 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, locked on. ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So yes, hiring appears to be tough because the Pelicans were rebuffed by Trent Redden, the associate GM of the Los Angeles Clippers, not coming to New Orleans and working with his former colleague, David Griffin, whom he worked for in Cleveland under him, and is instead staying with the Los Angeles Clippers. We expected that Redden would be maybe the new GM of the Pelicans, though again, job titles aren't nearly as important as people want to make him out to be in this type of thing, since the ultimate decision maker here is still going to be David Griffin. But this is a bit disappointing. You know, Redden has a reputation for going in and really helping out with the analytics of the Los Angeles Clippers and the Cavs where he's been before, as well as really, you know, being invested in the scouting side of things, going scouting college guys and NBA players and running that for the Clippers. So a bit disappointing to see that he's not going to be coming here, but this, you know, even though it's a step up, it's not exactly the biggest step up. It's more in title only because again, he's not running a team. Look at what just happened with the Minnesota Timber Wolves hiring Gerson Rosas from the Houston Rockets to be the president of basketball operations above their GM. He wasn't going to leave to be kind of a token GM that didn't have all the power. He wanted to go run the show, and that was the only way he was going to leave and take another job. They gave it to him in Minnesota. He wouldn't have come over here and worked under David Griffin because he thought he was ready to run his own shop. So I think Trent Redden is maybe waiting for that type of opportunity where he can be the one calling the shots, the ultimate decision. Decision maker. He's also probably getting a pretty big raise there in Los Angeles. They have the richest owner, maybe in sports, in the end, uh, in not in just the NBA, but North America, or at least all of the American leagues over the NFL and others. This is, uh, you know, guy who was the uh, ex CEO of Microsoft 
who paid $2 billion for the Clippers. That is a lot of money to shell out and then has a lot left over. So this is a guy who's very, very rich. And if he wants to pay his front office people a whole hell of a lot of money, he certainly can do that. And you have to imagine Redden got a nice raise with this. And I said on Twitter, you know, there's something to be said for just being happy where you are. You like your life. Things are good. You get a little bit more money, you stay. Even though, in theory, going to New Orleans would be a step up for him and a progression in his career. Wasn't the case. You know, he spent some time here in New Orleans. He was the first call, basically, that David Griffin made after accepting the job and getting the ball rolling here. He's going to be staying. I've had a lot of people in the wake of this ask me, well, who's next? Look, they're going to reach out to the obvious guys. They'll probably reach out to Langdon and see if maybe he wants to step in and be the GM. You have to know they reached out to Roses. That really didn't work either. And they're going to reach out to others. Don't worry too much about the names because this is always funny to me. You know, with players, you can see them out on the court. You know what they do, and they're easy to evaluate. When it comes to front office personnel, you know, I'm kind of doing that shrug emoji thing because, like, who really knows? If you're not in the room, if you're not involved in the direct uh, part of it, it's tough to know. You kind of go secondhand off what people tell you. I get told about guys in front offices throughout the league by others, but I don't really know what they're doing, and I'm relaying that information to you kind of secondhandedly. It's not the most reliable thing necessarily, and if anyone's really writing in depth about people in the front office, they're doing the same thing. They aren't there to experience it firsthand. So it's tough to really kind of know what people do, what they're involved in or, or their level of involvement and what they kind of take ownership over when it comes to a lot of these teams. We all really like Langdon with the Nets, their assistant GM, because of what the Nets have been able to do. You know, we're kind of revamping that team with late first round picks, fringe free agent signings. But was that maybe Marks, their GM, or was it Langdon or what role did Langdon have? We don't know. And so it makes it tough. So when you ask me for names on this, I'm going to kind of just tell you, I don't really know. You know, I don't think really anyone knows other than what we're kind of told throughout the league. But, you know, usually people are telling you things. There's kind of some sort of agenda with that. So be careful of what people are throwing out there because there's likely some kind of self-interest in some of that. And so it doesn't mean a whole lot. And we'll see where they turn from here. Um, But again, what, what I've also said is there's still people there. They still have a lot of, or all of uh, the guys that worked under Dell Demps and they're still doing work. You know, you show up to your job until you don't have one. So they're still scouting. They've been scouting all year. It's not like they're starting from scratch and they don't have anything. There's a lot of work done on all the college prospects and all the guys that are going to be upcoming free agents and what decisions they might want to make based off all of that. Maybe you don't trust it, but you know, it's, it's still guys going and scouting players and there's still a ton of that. So I think it'll still be okay. And it's not like they're completely behind the eight ball when it comes to not having hires made in the front office just yet, even though Trent Redden turned him down. So, of course, there'll be more news coming from the front office soon. I'm very certain of that. And the best way to make sure you keep up with all of it is by subscribing to the Locked On Pelicans podcast through the Himalaya podcast app. There's a ton of podcasts out there. You need something that just makes good, solid recommendations for what you want to listen to next. Himalaya is the way to do it with their personally curated playlists. They're also throwing in new features almost every single day. So go to your app store, download the Himalaya podcast app, and subscribe to Locked On Pelicans. All right, season in review time. Now we're looking at Julius Randle, Pelicans forward, who they signed as a free agent. Player option for next season. We have yet to find out what he plans on doing, though I think most of us assume. But we've been surprised this offseason a couple times now that he plans on opting out and entering free agency. But we will see. So Julius Randle 
is a bit of a polarizing player. This is a guy you either really like or you really don't. And there's pros and cons and pluses and minuses to his game on all sides of it. So first and foremost, 21.4 points per game. That is a career high, almost jumping up six points per game, five points per game compared to last season with the Lakers. We played all 82 games, played in 73 of them this season, 49 starts. At first, he was that six man off the bench playing pretty well. And then in the second half of the season, particularly after the all-star break, kind of became the number one go-to scoring option and really lived up to that expectation. If you look at it, after the All-Star game, averaged 24.6 points per game. That's 18th um, amongst all active NBA players during that stretch. Pretty good, to be honest. There's not much else you can say about that. Those are good numbers. Averaged 8.7 rebounds per game this season, along with 3.1 assists, kind of filling in that kind of big playmaking role that was vacated by DeMarcus Cousins. 3.1 assists, not too bad there when Cousins was averaging about four per game. Um, and did this on 52.4% three uh, field goal percentage, and then 34.4% from deep. Not on a high number of attempts per game, 2.7, hitting about one per game, but that is a career high in three-point percentage for him, meaning this could be a fluke, could have just been one season. We've got to see a little bit more. The sample size really isn't there large enough, but he's got some range. Simple as that. He's got some range. Um, got to the line a career high number of times, 6.7 uh, per game, hitting just over 73% of that. And he did all of this in about 30.6 minutes worth of action per game. So the numbers there look Pretty good. Per 36 minutes, would have been averaging 25.2 and 10.2 rebounds per game, along with 3.7 assists. Uh, there's, it's good. Like that really is very good numbers. The issue is the other side of the ball, the defense. This is a guy who can be a pretty good one-on-one -on -one defender, but you're not seeing that style of ball really with the bigs that he would be trying to defend in the league. And at times, the effort on that side and just kind of the mental aspect of it was really lacking and allowed just opponents to score over him easily or basically forced yourself to hide him a little bit, something that's harder to do with a big than a perimeter player. So it has definitely been a concern on that side. Off Offensively, maybe he gets a little too ISO heavy and just decides he wants the ball, he's going to score. Doing that possession after possession, taking the Pelicans out of that passing rhythm, that running rhythm that they wanted to have. And that is a bit of a concern. That's been a bit of an issue and he could kind of derail the offense at times. But he kind of did whatever you needed him to do and fill whatever role. And I can tell you that the coaching staff absolutely loves him for a guy, you know, who can go out and get you a bucket if you absolutely need one. So I think the coaching staff is going to push hard for him to come back next year. We'll see what the front office says, but a mixed season. But when you really look at it, Probably more positives than negatives. And if you can get him on the right type of contract, you should absolutely want to bring him back. Anything under $10 million a year, you, you, you don't even think about it and you bring him back. If you can get him three for 30, you do it. 
He's going to get more than that, but maybe three for 45, so around 15 a year for the production he gives you, whether he starts or doesn't start. Pretty good value for what you're getting out of that guy. Maybe someone who is better suited to the second unit and being that go-to score, but he does play well in transition, makes the right pass in transition too. And for a big that has some range, there's value in that. And we've seen flashes of him being a good defender. And don't forget, he was just 24 years old this season. He'll be 25 when next season starts. There's still some room to grow. We'll see what really happens. Um, sorry, he'll turn 30, uh, 25 during next season. So he'll be 24 when the season starts. So there's still room to grow for him. And he's going to be in the you know conversation for most improved player this year. So we'll see if he ends up back on the Pelicans. Uh, and for the right price, it's something you should feel really good about. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget, subscribe to the podcast through the brand new Himalaya podcast app. When you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Pelicans. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow.